Good evening, and welcome to the Trust the Wizards podcast. I'm from the generic party of Great Britain, and all our candidates have cultivated a voice and look that is class, region, and ethnically indeterminable, so you will know that they're on your side. Now, I know that you, the great British public, can only hold a few ideas in your head at one time, so... My party have condensed our manifesto into five easy-to-understand soundbites. Here they are. Rich and white, that's all right. Yes, so no poor coloured people coming into the country. Be nice or go to jail. We'll make it offensive to be offensive. And if you're confused about what you can and can't say, we'll tell you and we'll tell you what to think because we care about you. Equality for beliefs. We'll make sure that all beliefs stand on an equal footing, whether they advocate murdering homosexuals and subjugating women, or championing the scientific method and democracy. And to say all these beliefs are not equal? Well, that's offensive. Fourthly, we'll have an ethical foreign policy. That's ethical as defined by our PR department saw lots of pictures of the gaffer standing on the palace steps with the rich and powerful regardless of any of the consequences of their actions. And finally, the economy will balance the books by cutting funding to the NHS, old people, young people, well anyone we can really. But the main thing I want you to remember about this election is to have fun because remember You're the future. It's all about you. And we're all in this together. And I want to be elected.
the Trust the Wizards podcast. My name's Rebel Rickett, and I smell revolution in the air because he's the white van man with the hard-working family around his squeezed middle with only days to save the pound that's triple-locked and fully costed. He's a bogus asylum seeker, but he's going nowhere. He says, read my lips, no more taxes. It's Mr. Kicker of Owls. Hell yeah. And he's the old guard in a broad church with two left wings. He's too lazy to join the workers' party. He's the red under the bed with the fat, greedy bankers looking to sort out his fat cat friends in the city. But worst of all, he's Sans Cops. <laughs> he's Shimiko Garbanzo. Out of the people. Mm. Uh, we're in the UK and it's May 2015, so it can only be the general election. It's politics, God! It's a, festival. It. So it's a festival of democracy that's got us all on the edge of our pluralist seats. <laughs> so we're celebrating in this podcast by exploring political and protest. By the way, is it political or protest songs? We don't know. <laughs> Finding the best, the most relevant, the most current, and the ones with the best tunes. Yeah. In 1847, Karl Marx published the Communist Manifesto mm. and declared working men of all nations unite. We have nothing to lose but our chains. Then, in 1859, the introduction to a critique of political economy, Marx elaborated. He explained that capitalism was a dynamic system of human organisation that could free humanity from wants and create a world where people's basic needs were satisfied and humans would organise themselves on communist principles. Mm. However, he also noted that the capitalist class, the bourgeoisie, would not give up power freely and had created a much larger class, the working class, that would have the power to overthrow the bourgeoisie. But how would this happen? Mm. Well, capitalism in its nature is prone to crisis, and during one of these crises, the working class would become conscious of its own power and seize power. Mm. In the 1970s and this 1980s... This is a fairy tale, you tell me, it? Well, it, it did turn a little like that, yes. <laughs> but in the 1970s and 1980s... Marxism was very popular in Britain, and capitalism had been in crisis since 1973, and the miners had twice brought the government down. And by 1983, many sensed that the next miners' strike would be the event that would be the big one, and the catalyst for all the working class to revolt, and would lead into the overthrow of the capitalist state, and the ascent of the working class to the road to socialism, and ultimately communism. Mm. No more so than the Socialist Worker Party where they saw that they were to galvanise the workers was to promote a band with the inspirational words playing the people's music. Soul music. The Redskins, yes, what is they, who were that band, would walk like the Clash and sing like Diana Ross and would lead the working class into this historic battle. Here they are, in 1984, urging us to keep on keeping on.
The New Town Neurotics began in the late 70s in Harlow, just north of London, as a brave trio who still thought punk could be something other than a spent force. Singer-guitarist Steve Druitt must have been inspired by early punk's willingness to discuss politics, as his socialist-flavoured lyrics, never overbearing, are very much to the fore. I had the um, Beggars Can Be Choosers album from 1983 on cassette at school. And as a blast from the past, punk with extraordinary get-up-and-go that's both fun-sounding and sharp-edged, I thought, I tried to get it onto the sixth-form stereo. Occasionally successful, I'd try to sound all knowledgeable by pointing out that Druitt's social commentary was at its best in his version of the members' solitary confinement, redone with a clever twist as living within employment. I guess from that day on, it was inevitable that I'd go to college to study politics. And less inevitable, nevertheless fortuitous, to go on to meet Rebel Ricketts' brother, one corporate shill, in a cricket net. And then, of course, Rebel himself. <laughs> and while there, uh, the rather brilliantly titled live album, Kickstarting a Backfiring Nation, uh, came out with selections drawn from the first two LPs, plus a cover of the Flaming Groovy's Shake Some Action, which had been redone as Take Strike Action, for the miners. The record also contains poetic, and I use the term loosely, contributions recorded live the same evening by Attila the Stockbroker, the Big J, Porky the Poet, okay, and Peter Campbell. Their rants do identify them as the offspring of John Cooper Clarke in some ways, I think, uh, and of course it featured an elongated, rousing version of that song, Living With Unemployment. Ah, the joys of youthful revolution. So I think it's only fair and proper that I start my selection with Newtown Neurotics, actually the Neurotics, with Living With Unemployment. Just try. 
teenager in the 80s and getting my musical education and my political education from the Redskins, uh, the Smiths, the Much Maligned Star Council, the House Martins, the Communards and especially Billy Bragg, the big-nosed bard from Barking. Another political voice from the same town were McCarthy. They made three albums between 1987 and 1990. I only actually owned one of those, the middle one, The Enraged Will Inherit the Earth, and my favourite song on there was called An Address to the Better Off. And it's just about the best song about the welfare state ever written and one of the greatest political lyrics of all time. This song is more than a quarter of a century old, but it could have been written last week. Some of the lyrics say, As you have no doubt heard by now, times are hard. Industry, once fighting fit, needs to die. The state can't spare the cash now. It used to, but as you have heard by now, times are hard. So I'm asking the better off, who rose through hard work, to share out their wealth with the poor. I'm speaking of charity as useful in the hospital as elsewhere. It's sad, but there will always be some, the poor who are unable to pay through no fault of their own, so I'm asking the better off to donate some money. And so it goes on. I'm not actually going to play that song, though, uh, because that was my favourite song, but then last year, the marvellous Cherry Red Red label Mm. uh, got round to, in the words of R.E.M., exhuming McCarthy. (laughs) And he released this four-CD box set, uh, McCarthy Complete Album Singles and BBC Collection. Available right now for only £13.95 from cherryred.co.uk. Go out and buy it. I bought it and I made a couple of interesting discoveries. Uh, the first one was I knew that, I knew that one of my favourite bands, the Manic Street Preachers, were big fans of McCarthy. And I knew that one of the songs, oh, as a bonus track on one of their albums, We Are All Bourgeois Now, was a McCarthy cover version. However, I didn't realise until I bought this McCarthy original that two other Manic Street Preachers B-sides, which I thought were Manic's originals, are actually also McCarthy cover versions, Red Sleeping Beauty and Charles Windsor. The other discovery I made was that the album I already owned by McCarthy is actually the worst of their three albums. <laughs> the other two are much, much better. And I kind of regret not finding out more about them earlier on, really. So anyway, I'm going to go and play the opening song from their third album, which is called Banking, Violence and The Inner Life Today. The song's called I'm On The Side Of Mankind As Much As The Next Man. There are lots of things about economics and politics I don't understand. Or as this song puts it, human life, we would like to value it, but if there's no profit in it, what's the point? I remember as a kid having it explained to me that there were thousands of people dying of malaria in Africa. And at the same time, there were stockpiles of anti-malarial medicine around that could save those people's lives. But because those people didn't have the means to pay for that medicine, so basically, fuck the lot of them. Well fucking well done us. Well done fucking so-called civilization. 
Well done for being born white and rich. Long live us. Mm. Oh, and it's got a lovely bongo solo in it. Long live free enterprise.
charged with finding a suitably political Robert Pollard song, I stirred up a discussion on the Guided by Voices Facebook page, which resulted in quite a bit of disagreement, and ultimately, you'll be pleased to learn, a political Pollard playlist! The main issue is that Pollard tends not to be overtly political, or indeed overtly anything. Nevertheless, the songs that came up most in this discussion uh, were the likes of Vote For Me Dummy, which we've previously played, you'll remember that, Uh, Red Men and Their Wives, which I nearly selected, it's a tremendous song, uh, Do the Earth, uh, Red Ink Superman, an unmarketed product, ah, you just have to check out the playlist. I'll add it to the blog. The common political themes across all these songs uh, seem to be a distaste for corporate America, a general concern for the future of the planet, and an anti-war stance. Picking up on the latter, the song most of us guided by Voices fanatics would nominate as the most political work in Pollard's <coughs> massive canon, just the one end there, pacifists, uh, is the next track, taken from the Half Smiles of the Decomposed album, the band's 15th, and in fact their final album before their 2010 reformation. It was released on August the 6th, 2004, and to be exact, was shipped to me in Amman, Jordan, the very same day. One of the best songs on the album is the one we're going to play which is called Sing For Your Meat and it starts I think with a lyric that's probably the most political Pollard has ever written it also contains song lines like uh, and 21 is the legal age to kill yourself slowly but 18 is the legal age to die would I cast my vote into the inside shit I'm often want to crawl that's all and as it develops the song morphs into a slow burning epic the band slowly entering one by one until the track crashes and burns, at which point the simple guitar line returns and Pollard reprises his politically charged introduction. Yeah, sing for your meat. When you ride about the boys Under friendly fire Dress them up in suits and seek her to kill. Freedom of the will, ours and yes, yours. Yesterday, today, on marching Just 
about the boys Under friendly fire Dress them up in suits And seek her to kill Freedom of the will Ours and yes, yours Yesterday, today On marching on song wasn't it that was a, a dreamscape it, it put me in a, 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 a pleasant frame of mind that song fucking hell it's the first time I've heard this we we got some sort of rule have we about this, this is the, the mystery song this right? no. the, the mystery song that nobody's supposed to listen to no and everybody listened to except me because nobody, what a fool I am what a fool you are because nobody ever said you weren't supposed to listen to it well if it, how can it you be made up you made up the rule we said it was a mystery. Yeah. We didn't say it was barred. <laughs> no. We said it was a mystery. So it's, 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 I, I never said you couldn't listen to it. It was You made up that rule. You made I up that rule. I felt I was following well, the that's mystery that's your rule. Feeling. No, well, well no, no rule was ever in place 
or stated. It's yeah. fucking anarchy, this podcast. Anarchy. Well, that's the idea. That's the Politics idea. for you. But anyway, <laughs> the reason why... It's lovely, though, isn't it? The reason why... It's, 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 it's a lovely joke I thought, I thought it, was, it reminded me of, of uh, something like Finger Bobs or one of yes, those... Yes, it does sound a bit something like like, children theme yeah, song, doesn't it? Yeah. But the reason why I called it a mystery song yes. was because I didn't want to tell you what it was called because I wanted oh. you to have a little guess. Oh. It's by uh, a group called The CCs. Uh, right. The as it, uh, and I think which stands for the concerned citizens, mm. which has got um, somebody out of the fa- the faction in it. Oh yeah, uh, it's a side project of them, and it's got an interesting title. Uh, I'm going to give you a big clue, and I want you to have a guess. Okay, it's the title of the song is the name of quite a well-known political figure, mm. uh, followed by mm. a medical condition that that person may or may not actually in reality have. Is it, for example, is it, it, could be, it, it could be called Maggie Thatcher's clitoral warts? That's the kind of thing we're going for yeah. here. Yeah. Yes. Is it called yes. that? It's you, not called that. You've gone but, large. Yeah, <laughs> you've, gone, you've gone big. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some clues. Ed Bones has got a call. I'll give you some clues. You, you, body wise, you are in the right area. Oh, oh, oh. But, female, um, but, but um, well, no, and roughly. Roughly yeah, in the right groinal. area. Roughly in the right area. But you've gone too big. It would be a very good little bit too big on the name. Too big on the name. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. So I'm a slightly less high profile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Female, male or female? Can we say male or female? It's male. Male. Yeah. Jack Straw's Pails. You are fucking close. <laughs> really? You are fucking close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jack okay. Straw's. What, 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 you're almost spot on with the name. Really? Is it, yeah. is it Jack Straw then? It's, it's, it's not Jack Straw. No, no. Sorry. It's you're spot, almost spot on with the condition, not the name. Piles. Other side of the political spectrum. And not all the side of the anus. Right side of the anus. Anos. 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 One more guess each. One more guess each. Uh, Liam Fox. <laughs> <laughs> well, piles again, I guess. Yeah, well, Liam Fox Fisher. <laughs> Do you know what Fisher is? Anal Fisher. <laughs> Close, but not quite. One yeah. Uh, one more guess for you. Uh, okay, so so we, we need a, a not a particularly well known politician, but but Ken Phillips Crabs. That's a very good band there. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, you get time for Can you leave me to think? Sorry, I can't get. I've got to go somewhere. Grandpa's ball rush. <laughs> Right, so little known that he was a politician for five years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I, I can't follow up any of these, so okay. I'm, 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 but I'm, I'm going to I'm going to suggest is it to do with constipation? No, he it, it, piles was definitely in the right area. Oh, right. It was almost spot on. Really. Oh, it was right. Just another word for piles. Oh, grapes. Yeah. So more, a more medical word, maybe. Oh, okay. It's an anal hernia. Is it? Is a hernia of some form? Is it? Piles? I don't think hernia and piles are the same. Are yeah. they not? I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, I'll go, I think I'm going to have to tell you. Yeah, yeah, the song is entitled Ian Duncan Smith's Weeping Hemorrhoids. <laughs> I bought this album that you have in your hand there, Rebel Ricketts, mm. which is Contenders by Easter House, the same year as the Neurotics 12 inch that I've previously shown you. Uh, which is 1986, came out in 1986, which is, frankly, nearly 30 years ago. Jesus Christ, that's, that's depressing. Mm. <laughs> uh, and un- admittedly, unlike the gorgeous Neurotics one, I still play this one, and I play it regularly. Indeed, I've worn out that LP, if you look at the uh, the vinyl, it's, uh, it's not, not in great condition. Uh, and I have, in fact, bought a CD version of it subsequently. 
Easter House were this rather dour Mancunian band, dominated by the Perry Brothers vocalist Andy and guitarist Ivor. They formed in Manchester and first came to prominence after being championed by... The Smiths. Well, Morrissey particularly, yeah. Uh, and made convincing accommodations between music and politics. The band clearly deeply affected, as I was, by the p- betrayal of the working class by the Labour movement, which, I think, is never more true than now. There are many powerful political statements on this record, but my favourite then, and now, and the one that still has the potential to bring tears to my eyes, is the Leninist politics of Get Back to Russia. The importance of this song for me has changed over time. I'm no longer a Marxist, though I may well have been, and it really is the closing refrain of England made me and here I'll stay. England made me, let England deal with me, that makes this song the first on my list when I think of a political song. This is a song for revolutions. Revolutions everywhere.
One of the most depressing developments in modern time has been the rise and rise and rise of identity politics. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I once had an hour-long debate, nay argument, with someone about abortion. I was quite clear I'm in favour of abortion on principle and believe the technical debate about the number of months at which a pregnancy can be terminated, whilst the dilemma was a smokescreen put forward by people who were ideologically against abortion as a principle. Uh, but we couldn't agree. She stated that although she could see my point of view, her point was that if she was pregnant right now, she would not have an abortion. I tried to make it clear that I was not proposing to abort her unborn child, <laughs> but she maintained that this was a fundamental ideological divide between us and strong words were expressed on both sides and even tears shed. I think the reference to a hoover didn't help matters. <laughs> But that's the problem with identity politics. It's all about me, isn't it? <laughs> this is all about you. It yeah. is all about me. This is thus. If someone is mean to you, it's because they are sexist, racist, classist, a homophobe, or a denier of some kind. The problem with this position is that while the person might be mean and nasty, there has been no interrogation of their philosophy, so no conclusion to be drawn about their politics. In addition, it allows all arguments to be reduced to a class, crass name calling when we need a real debate more than ever. Here's Kendrick Lamar exploring this theme and urging us not to become prisoner of some identity or other and declaring, fuck your ethnicity. Gather round. I'm glad everybody came out tonight. As we stand on our neighborhood corner, know that this fire that's burning represents the passion you have. Listen. Keisha, Tammy, come up front. I recognize all of every creed and color. With that being said, fuck your ethnicity. You understand that? We're gonna talk about a lot of shit that concerns you. Only you. the cost this penny for my thoughts everybody please hold up your wallets yeah man i'm the mailman can't you tell man gon' postal never freeze up when i approach you that star struck and roast you oh my I'm 
Cause everybody lied to y'all Do you believe it? Recognize them false achievements It's treason and I'm Tylenol I knock out when you knock it off Knock on the doors of opportunity I'm too involved I'm no activist I'm no Einstein before calculus I was kicking at math Dropping that science Like an alchemist And I be kicking that ass Lyrically I'm UFC If a UFO had came for me I'ma come back with the head of an alien No alienate my dreams Get it right, get a life I got two That's a metaphor for the big shit I do Boy, TMI, TSA Man I'm fly, put wings on my back That a plane or an angel Both, like a pilot with a halo Whoa, gross I'm just a messenger, yeah, I know life's a bitch Get the best of her, put them threes up They notice that we up High power and the power and the people And if they don't believe us, they'll die Wizard I really like that song, um, but uh, I enjoyed it a lot. But um, I'm not really sure I get what his point is with with the whole fuck your ethnicity thing. I think the end the beginning obviously did. Well, and I think it may be a member of the Wu Tang Clan, but please don't quote me on that. Sits around with he brings his young charges. Obviously, they're all from a, I think an African Caribbean background, uh-huh. uh, and he says, "Look, you know, you want to be successful in the world, you want to do what you want to express yourself. Don't get imprisoned by the idea that you know you're black." It doesn't matter what colour you are, you can still be yourself. And what he talks about in, in the song is music's his thing, music will freeze him, and Kendrick is who the people want to be. It's not about what colour he is. Okay. Well, we're very excited at this point on the political pod to, to say we've got a, an artist live in the room who, who's going to perform a song for us uh, all the way from Bolton... It's it's Jar Ricketts. Treat, treat, sticker. Fucking hell. Hello, Trust with this podcast. Hello, Mum. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, Les. Last from Doff Cooker. Hey, I'm not Trust with this thing. Hey, fucking hell, eh? That's a big spliff you've got there. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> you like it down, down Bolton way, but I can be that, don't we? <laughs> hey, 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 plenty. It's <laughs> <laughs> <of> yours, mate. <laughs> so, uh, so, Ja, uh, if I may. Uh, I think you can. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> Have you, uh, you've got a song for us. You've, you've written specially for this podcast, is that right? I'm moved. I'm moved. Kiko. You're moved, I'm yeah. moved by, by state at nation. Oh, dear. State at nation, state at country. Yeah. As 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 Jarastafari, oh, yeah. King Ali Selassie, my Lord and Master, I, know, yeah. I felt I felt I had to say something. Time come, what's, time come for lay it down. What's upset you more than anything else? What a true story, oh. true story, kicker. Oh, I thrown out to house. Oh. Mrs. Left. I find that hard to believe. Miss, I know, it's such a such a personal, charismatic me, oh. dead charismatic. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, she saw she saw a crumpled man, uh, a man who were who were desperate, oh and she 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 didn't see the roots rocker ragamuffin <laughs> that you see before you now. She couldn't no. appreciate that. No, no. no. Did, did she see sort of a well, well, well you know, uh, a stoned, aggressive, 
person? No, 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 I think like that. No, I think I think she saw politics at work, and I did, you know, I'd fallen foul, you know, at rulers and all that, and establishment had made a mess of my life and all that. And she, and I think she felt that she wanted tech revolution to, you know, ruling class and and you know, leave me for for trying to get over it, like you know, it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes, hard. It's difficult to be. Hey lads, trust me, podcast the one fucking hell. Yeah, no. All I was going to say was, you know, as as very much the the voice of Rastafari in Bolton and beyond. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, up, up and break it. Well, right, right, right up to not the, to Wigan, the A six six six. All the way Darwin. Got Darwin. You got Darwin. You got Darwin. 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 Jed Darwin, as I call it. Jed Darwin. As as the voice. Those rockets rolls. As the voice of that very very populous northwest area. So, what do you feel your message now is to the people there who are suffering in the same way that you are suffering in your own personal life? What can you say to them? Have you got anything to free them, to free the people, to send them on some sort of exodus? Rise up. Rise up, Rise okay. Up. Rise up. Yeah. Rise up. Free thyself from mental slavery. Go for <laughs> emancipation. Yeah. Rise up. Yeah. Rise up. March on. Yeah. March on. Yeah. March on with Jar. <laughs> jar, yeah. Yeah. Jar. Okay. Uh, wow, this is this is beautiful, and and I just kick you. <laughs> no, really. And have you got have you got a song for us that you could, I, you, yeah, you could I, sing? This is it. It's no. my, true, my true story. I'll be right. quiet. I'll be quiet. Is there a name to this song? If there is it? a name. I, like, is this on? It's <laughs> <laughs> on. Yeah. The song from Jar Ricky is quite simply. Wife says Jar. Feral kids. Hold on. Wife says Jar. Open brackets. <laughs> Good. Feral kids have got into Aldi. Close brackets. Love it. Hey up, let me tell me about the tale of war. Left Jar Ricket with nowhere to go. Overcrowded and cold with wife and brutal landlord both feeted. But we was shoot, bugger off, says he. There's plenty more like you. Wife says Jar, Jar. with this we won't put. He may be skimp, but he can't treat us like muck. Well, apparently he can. Gives us a section 21. And before we know it, we're moving on. Down to the council for a choice base let But there's bugger all housing and assets a sweat We'll look in the windows in the local rag But it didn't take long for the spirits to say Come across some ovals with a price extortionate But time's running out for us less fortunate They're down to the social better help with the rent Set a cupboard, a room, off comes 13% Why is this job up with this it won't put we may be skint, but he can't treat us like muck. Well, apparently can. Says the pantry's one too. Let's take 20 cents off the rent for you. I'm no sponge got a job that he told me. The role's object, keep feral kids out of Aldi. The wife's no slouch, and up the hockey she steps. Cleaning urine, urine at the local vet. It's all casual contracts, and minimum wage. Zero hours, one up from slaves. Wife says, says job. Job. With this we won't put. We may be skint, but he can't treat us like muck. Well, apparently they can, and it's gonna get worse. Deficit reduction, gotta tighten the purse. Wife says, Jar, to our liberation. And all Bob's dreams of emancipation. This life of ours become alienation. It's leaving me sick with frustration. I feel myself sinking into desperation. I says, Wife, keep it simple. Don't look at me. I keep feral. Kids are of Aldi. I keep feral. Kids out of Walter. Wife says, Jar, where's the spirit and fight? Where's the optimism? 
What's the choice? I said, choice is clear and multiple. A dodgy box with hundreds of channels on. She says, where's the hope? I need the hope, you see. I says, hope? Hospital? Is that BBC3? She said, you're hopeless. And off she went. Her and the kids to her mother's in Gwen. So you see, the die's been cast. We need change and we need it fast. But leave me now, there's a place I need to be. Feral kids. I've got into oldie. Feral kids. Feral kids. Feral kids. I've got into oldie. evangelised on this uh, podcast about uh, my uh, love for uh, Lee Hazelwood. Uh, I don't think we've ever actually played a Lee Hazelwood song. We've played some of his written, but never actually one of his own songs. Uh, I used to tell people, uh, go around telling people about this album he made called uh, love, uh, Requiem for an Almost Lady, which is this kind of album uh, of love songs, really, which talks about the decline of this relationship. And before each uh, song... There's this kind of little spoken word vignette type thing as an introduction to the song, uh, which says kind of the, the story of their relationship, the, the sort of growth and, and death of this relationship. And I used to say that was my favourite uh, Lee Hazelwood album. That's the one you should listen to. However, uh, I, a couple of years ago, I got this uh, box, uh, double CD called Strung Out on Something New. Uh, and in there was an, another album, which is now uh, my favourite Lee Hazelwood album. It's called The NSVIPs. NSVIP standing for not so very important people, and yet again, it, it, each song is prefaced, 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 prefaced yeah. uh, by a little spoken word uh, vignette. But these are much more lighter in tone, uh, and they're daft. And in most occasions, they have absolutely nothing to do with the song that follows on afterwards. Uh, here's a great example of that. Uh, this is from that album, and this is called "Save Your Vote for Clarence Mud." Melina Lynch is fat. She weighs 142 pounds on each side. Now, Melina's one of them magazine writer women. And uh, she writes things, mostly. Just the same, though, she's one of the most interesting people that you'd ever want to talk to. Sometimes in the evening, I'll go over and sit on her front porch. And we'll carry on one of them conversations. And I'll say, how's things going, Melina? And she'll say, I never met a Cherokee Indian I didn't like. And I'll say, well, I'm kind of partial to Indians myself, Melina. And then she'll say, the population of Little Crab, Montana is 806. And I'll say, just whereabouts is Little Crab? And then she'll say, if I live to be 23, I'll never forget the time. And I'll say, you certainly are a biggin', Melina. And she'll say, our next president is going to be Clarence Mudd. And about that time, I'll say, Melina, you better hush or they're going to put you in a rubber room. 
I won't vote for Rocky Feller. I won't vote for Rocky Feller. I won't vote for Rocky Feller, though everything may be fine. Anybody's daddy leaving that much money can't be no friend of mine. Can't be no friend of mine. I won't vote for LBJ. I won't vote for LBJ. I won't vote for LBJ, though everything may be fine. Anybody that pulls little dog's ears can't be no friend of mine. Can't be no friend of mine. I won't vote for Richard and Nixon. I won't vote for Richard and Nixon. I won't vote for Richard and Nixon, though everything may be fine. Anybody that's a natural-born loser can't be no friend of mine. Can't be no friend of mine. I won't vote for Goldie Water. I won't vote for Goldie Water. I won't vote for Goldie Water, though everything may be fine. Anybody that owns Arizona can't be no friend of mine. Can't be no friend of mine. I saved my vote for Clarence Mud. Saved my vote for Clarence Mud. I saved my vote for Clarence Mud, and everything will be fine. Clarence Mud, he ain't nobody, but he's a friend of mine. Yeah, he's a friend of mine. I'm going to play a song now uh, from a band called Reasons, Reason Breeds Monsters, uh, who were from York, uh, or at least they were from York. The band are unfortunately no more, but they've just recently released. They're probably this. still from York, though. Uh, they are, yes, but they are the band. Uh, are not going anymore. Hmm. Uh, so where, uh, the, where would the band be at this point? So they don't exist. Where would they not exist? Were they not existing in, in York? The or band are not existing in York. Mm. Or anywhere else. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an existential yeah. problem, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. That's for the philosophy part. Ah, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, I look forward to that one. <laughs> uh, it, it, you can get this uh, EP reasonbreedsmonsters.bandcamp.com. It's a name your price download. Uh, I got a, a message from Ben from the band. Uh, ben, Form- formerly from the band. Ben, formerly from the band. <laughs> Who, who wrote the lyrics, and he said, uh, I'm going to briefly explain what we wanted to say with this song. Mm. The song is about quantitative easing, which is a mind-blowing case of hiding something socially and politically massive behind a tedious technical term. Now, I might have mentioned, this is Chirizzo talking here, not Ben, I might have mentioned mm. before on the pod how I don't really know much about economics, <laughs> and this guy does, so I'm going to just read what he's <laughs> saying, okay? We're in the middle of an economic and political catastrophe. The cause of the catastrophe is inequality. Society is stunningly divided. The world is the richest it has ever been, but all the wealth is concentrated at the top. So overall, we don't have enough money to buy the goods that we produce. We were greedy for more gadgets and toys, so in the 1980s we started to borrow money to buy them. Banks were desperate to lend money to us because that's how they make their own profits. And once the debt got so huge that it could never be serviced or paid back, the global financial crisis began. That's where we are now. And, apart from in Greece, the only answers anyone in power has is to do more of exactly the same of everything that caused this crisis in the first place. Austerity for the poor, more money to the rich. More loans just to survive. 
and within this evil mix is quantitative easing. In theory, quantitative, quantitative easing is a good idea. Europe is in a recession. One way to get out of a recession, Keynes said, is to print money and hand it out to people. Because having more money encourages us to spend, and the spending means that more people have jobs. And then these jobs pay taxes back to the government. It gets the whole economy spinning again. So the government has created huge amounts of new money, enough to give every woman, child and man in the UK about £8,000. But there's one small detail. That money has not been given out to people. It's all been given to banks and corporations. Quantitative easing is like a fireman whose hose sprays out petrol. It's supposed to make things better, but in fact is making it even worse. There was another solution which was there from the start. We could stop wanting things. Or we could want more things like music and love and trust that don't cost money to produce. The question is whether we can start doing this before we wreck the biosphere, the source and sum of everything that life consists in. The last line of this song refers to the last line of A Canticle for Leibovitz, which gives a sharp eye perspective on a post-post-nuclear wasteland. We're preparing our own wasteland, with weapons that are slower working, but even more fatal than nukes. Whether we give the money to the banks or to people, the only solution we can think of is to keep consuming. And if we can't take out loans, then make the goods more cheaply in places where people are paid little or nothing, and then screw the environment, hauling them round the world to Primark and Walmart. So that is why the song is called Keep Eating. Such a state Who knows what hungry men would say 
start to feed on If they ever looked up from their place about the England football team and cricket team and any athlete who, athlete who pulls on a Team GB vest at any sporting occasion. So it surprised me what, that outrunning, a song that, that came on that I thought was right-wing propaganda, reduced me to tears. It was a song called Ragged Old Flag. And when you think about it, what is a flag? Is it an expression of our shared belief in a set of ideas and principles? Well, they could be good or bad principles. How's, how's this? We agree the principles, then we can raise the flagpole, right? So, are we going for these principles, right? Freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of movement and beliefs, equality of opportunity, meritocracy, democracy, the separation of state and church, the respect for scientific method, the rule of law and trial by jury. I don't know, let's call it liberty, fraternity, egality. 
When the American flag was used to justify war across the Southeast Asia, Vietnam as most would call it, Johnny Cash was moved to reflect on his relationship with America's ragged old flag. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key sat watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell at the Alamo. Beside the Texas flag, but she waved on, though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville, and she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied and refused and the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land and she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin but she's in good shape for the shape she's in cause she's been through the fire before and I believe she can take a whole lot more so we raise her up every morning we take her down every night we don't let her touch the ground and we fold her up right On second thought, I do like to brag Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag Now, that's uh, an interesting choice mm. Because I, I've always felt And... and, and no, I'm sure he's right. We, we kind of share a, a, an understanding of, of where we are politically, each other, and we're fairly similar. And and yet, I really don't like that song. That that song reeks of nationalism to me. It reeks of this overbearing American power base, over, looking over the world, helping out small countries with their versions of their version of democracy. Um, it's a, it's a flag that represents bullying in in the world, as far as I can see. I understand what you said at the beginning that it that you know, there, there are good things associated with um, the, the principles behind it, but the actual practicalities of a, of a, 
a nationalist American view, I think they're, they're bound to be right wing, and, and I feel very uncomfortable with that song. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't like it. Well, not necessarily for the same reasons that you said. I just thought it was just really cheesy, really, really cheesy. Oh, they like cheese. Uh, and uh, and also, if you're going to choose a uh, Johnny Cash song for for a podcast like this, there are better ones, much better ones, in my opinion. Man in Black, for example, which is much more a song about standing up for the for the downtrodden. Mm. Uh, which, which you know, Johnny Cash was a complicated man politically as well. So uh, he would he can sing the Man in Black, and he can also sing a song like that one. Uh, because he wasn't. But I'm, I, what I'm interested in, really, I mean, I mean, you know, we can all, we can all agree on whether we like the song or not. I mean, that, I mean that, that's that's fine. But I, w- I want to know if I'm missing something. Am I? Am I? I am I reading probably, it wrong? I probably have that Johnny Cash can only sing about one flag. So if Johnny Cash lived in a country that that you cannot accuse of being power hungry, well, I'm wearing a flag, rapacious, right now. Yeah, you are wearing a flag right now. Yeah. So if Johnny Cash came from Palestine, yeah. he would make his own case about that flag, no doubt. Yeah. But he, so he's, he's bound to sing about that. And again, when you take America down to its founding principles, the founding fathers, and you know, and, and let's face it, they've got a much more liberal constitution than us. And so that's what the flag represents. Isn't that where the heart of the country is? Yes, of course, politics will pull it hither and thither. And, and abuse it, as he says in the song. Mm. But the principles, you know, that you try and compass in the flag, can they not be good principles? And, and, and equally, you know, what I, what I reflected on was that, you know, principles and ideas very rarely get, pe- get people mobilised to, to, to march and to, and, and to win wars, for example. Because, you know, there are, you know, in Kurdistan there, when they're fighting on ISIS... You know, they may be doing that for a set of principles, but they're also doing it for a, a sure nationhood. There is nationalism in there somewhere. So I'm thinking, maybe we can ultimately lose nationalism, although I'm an internationalist. Yeah. Um, but also, principles can be embodied in something on a higher plane than just, you know, in, but, in, our, in our own political so, sector. Because in, in a way, all the ideas get debated in Parliament and in politics. And actually, the ultimate principles you know, should stand somewhere else. So, I mean, is this the same argument that, that Billy Bragg came out with a number of years ago about trying to reclaim the Union Jack as being uh, not a, a nationalist, let's say, fascist symbol? I mean, is that is that what this is all about? It's like saying, well, the Stars and Stripes, yes, OK, it's, it's, they've been hoisted over a number of countries that we could probably go on and list. And let's face it, invasions the, Union, the Union Jack... It's worse. God, it's, it's worse. Even, yeah. It's even but, worse. But I don't think... I couldn't imagine thinking this song about the Union Jack being a fantastic... I, imagine if... Imagine if we, we there was a political movement you could actually join in this country that embodied... And I think those principles... Actually those, I, I would, if, if I was in a country that embodied those and I felt I had an ownership of those... But does it... I, well, it doesn't. <laughs> and they were being attacked. I thought that was something I could defend yeah. and I think it would actually help if we had a little flag to say, this is what we're about. Yeah. But as you were listing those principles, I was just thinking, well, that ain't true in America these days. Well, that ain't true. Separation of church and state, all those lots of things you were saying. Mm. That, that, that flag doesn't mean that anymore, does it? Yeah. Does it? The whole, like, well, it, 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 well, was that the point does, of the battered does, flag? Does, well, yeah, yeah, but I, I think that's the metaphor, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. saying the founding principles of the, you know, human beings, politicians, power brokers, whoever, will, will abuse, will mistreat that, will use it for their own ends. 
what keeps the fire burning? What keeps the shining light of those principles alive? Mm. Is it something fundamental? I mean, in America, it's the Constitution, you know, that you can say, well, actually, you know, my flag is that. Now, I think probably in our countries that we, we, have, we don't have a Constitution like that, uh, although we have some of those principles. So I, I think it's more difficult. Than those. I, think, I think, actually, you could say that get the right flag and the right principles, and I'd be happy to hoist it. I think they need a new one. We, we definitely need a new flag. Mm. We need a new flag. We need a new flag. Well, we need a new we flag, need and they need a new flag. And I, I'm, I'm, su- I'm suggesting a bare bottom. Yes, true. And I, I, I'm, I'm right with you there. You mean a bear's bottom or a... A bear bear's bottom. <laughs> Is yeah. that on the principle that... Um, yeah, the Bill Hicks joke, <laughs> where he said, on the, on the flags, he hated nationalism so much, he said, you know what they should have on the flag? Your mum and dad fucking. <laughs> <laughs> because you'd never look at it ever again. <laughs> A 54-song, three-disc box set of Tom Waits' rarities, unreleased tracks and brand-new compositions called Orphans, Brawlers, Brawlers and Bastards was released in November 2006. I'm sure you remember it well. Yeah. Uh, the three discs were subdivided relating to their content. Brawlers featured Waits' more upbeat rock and blues songs. Brawlers had his ballads and love songs. And Bastards, songs that fit into neither category, included a number of spoken word tracks. Orphans also continued Waits' newfound interest in politics with the song Road to Peace, a song about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The Palestinian cause is one very close to my heart and one that makes me more angry more often than any other. It also seems to have the potency to cause a Tom Waits forum ferrari, which isn't an easy thing to say, (laughs) Uh, where participants couldn't decide if this song that you're about to hear was balanced or not. And they were all wrong. It shouldn't be balanced. It's not an even fight. Road to Peace is not the kind of song Waits usually sings, uh, though the album before also contained an anti-war song called The Day After Tomorrow. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, This one is angrier. In an interview I read in The Guardian at the time, it quoted him as saying, I was... Can you do a Tom Waits voice, actually? (laughs) 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 (laughs)
to have been a teenager in the 1980s. It was a more overtly political time, uh, as we were endlessly told uh, when she finally died. Uh, Thatcher was a a divisive figure. (laughs) Um, Some people hated her, and some people just didn't understand how evil she was. (laughs) Uh, Probably like most kids and teenagers, I found the serious world of news pretty confusing back then. My mum was, and still is, an avid Daily Mirror reader, and I would read it too, but often finding the front pages far too confusing, so I trained my obsessive gaze on the back pages. But I do remember reading about the army horse Sefton, who was blown up uh, by the IRA when I was about 12. Uh, This horse was on its way to the changing of the guard, uh, which I've been to see myself on many, many times. And uh, Northern Ireland was on the news just about every night. And I asked my parents questions about it, and they did their best to explain uh, but I didn't understand what, what William III and Oliver Cromwell had to do with blowing up a horse. I knew I didn't like Mrs. Thatcher. I didn't really understand why. Uh, and it was never, nothing like this was ever mentioned or taught at my secondary school in any history lesson or politics lesson or economics lesson. Nothing ever related to recent history, to Northern Ireland, the Cold War, miners' strike, capitalism, none of that. And talking of my school days, uh, I, w- I went to a, a failing comprehensive school that didn't deign itself to have the word comprehensive in its name. My school was actually on the same site as an old grammar school, 
which H.G. Wills had attended, by the way. And not just him. There was also former Aston Villa fullback Colin Gibson. Oh, very impressive. Uh, but this school had still pompously retained the word grammar in its name uh, to hark back to the distant past where nearly all of the teachers still wished they were living. Uh, we had uh, the, the ITV or the TVS, uh, which is the southern, southern uh, version of ITV, a version of Question Time came to our school to film once. Uh, it was called Questions, hosted by David Jacobs. And our local MP, uh, who was called Virginia Bottomley, famously an anagram of I'm an evil Tory bigot, uh, was coming to our school. <laughs> and uh, I and my mate uh, said, I think as a joke, uh, that we were going to come and egg her. Mm. Uh, and this some, somebody must have grasped us up. And uh, the, the, anyway, the end result was uh, our, the head teacher rang my mum who said that I had to stay at home. She had to make sure I had to stay at home uh, because I wasn't allowed to do that. And my mum told her that she would do no such thing. Very good. Yeah. However, she... Very much the only I, 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 I didn't drive, so I had no way of getting <laughs> to, uh, to the school, which was six miles away. Uh, another incident I remember, I was going to see the Star Council in Brighton not long after the, um, the Brighton bombings. Uh, it was at the Brighton Centre, which is just a few doors away from the Grand Hotel. I remember coming out and uh, a whole bunch of people, uh, who I don't think had been at the Star Council gig, but just a bunch of people just all standing outside and chanting and shouting all kinds of stuff like, we'll get you next time and all this kind of stuff. And I, I thought that was jolly amusing. <laughs> but the, the political cause with which I actually um, aligned myself the most, uh, because I had friends who, were, who actually fully paid up men because I was too... Um, tight wad to actually become a full member but was the anti-apartheid movement I remember uh, being very young and seeing my dad um, turning off the telly at, at, the, at the two Ronnies and he was really pissed off because they made a joke which was about um, people in South Africa had finally agreed to have an integrated swimming pool and uh, the joke being that they were going to give the blacks the bottom half mm. and um, I went on various demos and um, charity walks and runs and went up to, up to South Africa House and Trafalgar Square a few times to join in the 24-hour vigil um, and it all just seemed like that was quite a normal thing for a 15, 16, 17-year-old person to do and I'm not convinced that it is now. Not that good. Ten years, anyway, ten years later... Uh, finally uh, the Tories were gone and we had the first Labour government led by uh, Mr Blair um, who he had that awful grin uh, he didn't does. have the swivel eyes though did he so his eyes were normal but he's a so. cheese merchant isn't he he's, mm-hmm. he's cheesy uh, and, and he looked like he looked like a, an estate he had that estate agent smile oh yeah and he looked insincere um, but I suppose you know every group if you're going to have hit singles and actually sell albums, you need a front man who's you, you can you can sell. And he was a front man for mm. all his various faults. Um, you know, I'm not sure Ed Miliband is a, he's more of a bass player, isn't he? Ed mm. Miliband. Mm. He's, he's, in fact, he's, in fact, he's not even a bass player. He's to be doing the lights. He's a keyboard player. I think he's actually a keyboard or even a keyboard tech. Uh, he's less cool than a bass player. But anyway, I think people in '97 and, and myself so it was, it was celebrating the end of Tory control mm. more than celebrating yeah, the start right. of Labour. But I had never lived under a Labour government since I was about eight, which I don't really remember, obviously. And, and in the first few years, Labour did a lot of things that were I thought were good, but they just didn't go far enough. But, you know, introducing minimum wage and better investment in healthcare and NHS and Sure Start. But then... Child support agency. Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, 
you know, our generation's world-changing event, 9-11. Our, our, Can I just say 11-9? 11-9, sorry. Uh, yeah, our Kennedy moment. I don't mean where were you when you first heard Kennedy by the wedding present. Um, <laughs> um, but, and, and Blair's sta- you know, statement about standing shoulder to shoulder with the US, which meant, by extension, standing shoulder to shoulder with George Bush. Yeah. And then you get all that shit if you're not, against, if you're not with us, you're against us yeah. and the invasion of Iraq. Uh, and another thing I'm no expert on is Middle Eastern politics, but wasn't it just that kind of interference in other people's affairs that upset the murderous nutters behind 11-9 in the first place? Mm. So maybe that would have been a time to, for some reflection on your previous behaviour and adapting it, but no. No, let's not bother with that. Let's go Kenny Everett. Bomb the it's bastards. going well now, though, isn't it? Bomb Look at Iraq now. Oh, well, okay. Okay. Hey, Thank God for that. Yeah, well, how wrong we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so February 15th, 2003, the biggest political demonstration Britain has ever seen. Stop War co- Coalition. Uh, a million people or more marched in the streets of London. Uh, people like me who was, who was there, fearing that both in the short term and in the long term, invasion would make the world a more dangerous place and that we'd be living with the consequences of this invasion for many years to come. Yeah, how wrong we were. Yeah, how wrong we were. <laughs> Look at you, naive. Yeah. Can I, just say, I, I was in London that day as well. What date is it? I don't know what date it was. I know. What year was it? Two thousand three. Two thousand three. Yeah. 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 Bolton versus Chelsea. Oh nice. I was in. Yeah. I was in the Middle East. I was. Uh, well, I, I also can tell you. Later on that day, I went to Loftus Road. Give you a beat. Port Vale four 0 So oh, I don't feel nervous about that. Yeah, we lost. Um, but yeah, I've still yet to hear a coherent argument for why Blair went ahead with that. Invasion there isn't one. when so many were, were against it. There isn't one. And yet, for someone who grew up in that in the eighties in the age of protest, where were the anti-Iraq war protest songs? Mm. Where were the, the um, actual high-profile artists making any kind of major statement against that? There weren't any. And for such a huge issue, something that angered me and thousands Steve of Steve Earle. I'm going to throw Steve Earle at you. Steve Earle did make, make he did yeah there, was, there were a few but, but we're not talking about people who have top 20 hits here no. like, like, we were, well like we were in the 80s yeah but he's not he's not a, he's not a chart artist is he no, okay. no. he's not he's not a, a star council or even Spandau Ballet who, who you know for all their shit music they, they did have a go true some stuff yeah. humanly yes yeah yeah I get it I just didn't mind <laughs> but uh, you know this is something that provoked um, that was gold. people like my uh, my dad and and the future Mrs Garbanzo to go on the only protest march they ever have been on. Yeah. Uh, so it was a pretty big fucking deal. But still, no, <laughs> no, no, mate. Yeah, nobody did anything. Anyway, a few years later, two thousand seven, uh, the on the album Life with You, uh, the Proclaimers had two great songs about it. Uh, the first was called The Long Haul. Uh, and it was, had the lyrics in it. The threat, they say, comes from countries ending in An, where the family name is Khan, and they all read the Koran. <laughs> the answer, they say, is to bomb them all to dust. Then in 50 years, they just might be able to see things our way. We're not barbarians like we were way back when. We've learnt from history, so we just go round again. Song, this, this song is off the same album. It's called Sorry, uh, and it starts off um, berating some newspaper columnist, columnist, uh, some kind of Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Littlecock, Gary Bushell, Katie Hopkins figure, professional wind-up merchant, professional cunt, spreading their <laughs> hateful fascist agenda. Uh, and then the song ends up seemingly to turn up to Blair himself and trying to get him to acknowledge his mistake and apologise for the bloodshed he's responsible for. Blair and others, like his bullshitter-in-chief Alistair Campbell, are war criminals whose lives make them personally responsible for thousands of civilian deaths 
and they should never be allowed to forget that. The papers like to go on about people like, um, you know, people who kill kids and things like that, as if these are the most evil bastards around. And obviously they are evil bastards. And yet, you know, mainstream figures of politics who advocate war in foreign lands and drone bombings and just killing people willy-nilly, they're all right. Mm. Vote for them. Don't. Something, something. 
But okay, I was trying to make a case yes. for the best political song ever made. Right. Right? Mm. Uh, and so I sifted through everything that I knew. And I Is it Culture Clubs? War, War is Stupid. That one. Or, or um, Human League's Lebanon. No, I... I, I, I don't do, the Human League. Oh, the, the Lebanon. The, the, which is actually a throwback. They don't like that. But, the, yeah. And the, yeah, the League. Come on. Okay, fair enough. Or, uh, what the world needs now is a great big melting pot. Oh, yeah. Which nice. isn't bad. That's a good tune. Ebony, like Ebony and Ivory. No, I, I went against that one as well. Yeah. I actually went for this one. Yeah. Uh, and the reason being, I think, for it to be a great political song, it's got to have impact. So, you know, it's got to be well-known. It's got to have, within that culture or whatever in the, in the community, it's got to be known as something that kicks ass, right? Mm-hmm. Secondly, I think it's pretty a really good political song. I mean, I went to see The Subhumans, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone who went to see The Subhumans seemed to have dyed black clothes, uh, big spiky hair, and dogs on strings. Mm-hmm. They were clearly on message for start. There, there was no great courage for The Subhumans to, to sing the song that they sung about killing manufacture, etc., etc. So you've got to have courage, I think. Didn't they stay in your house, the subhumans? They did stay in my house, yeah, yeah. We, we threw them in the bath. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the third thing it's got to have uh, is a good tune, or some sort of X factor. It's got to be a groove or something like that. Yeah. But I think the fourth thing, and I think this is where so many political songs lose out, that it's got to be internally consistent. It's got to have a whole argument that's, that's, that, that makes sense within itself. So it's got a whole agenda, right? So I think this song... Mm. Said, can I just say, that's a very big book you're, you're threatening to read from. Thank you very much. It's Dorian Linsky's 33 Revolutions Minute. I have mentioned it before. Yeah. And I will try and read it, because I did try, and, did try and sort of sum up why this is so fantastic. Yeah. And I couldn't get close to it. Um, yeah, obviously Dorian Linsky, who I was reading with, had these thoughts. Mm. He wrote this. Yeah. Firstly, quoting Tony Allen. About, and and the, the, the artist is Fela Kuti mm. uh, with his song Zombie. Right? Um, and it, it, this is interesting. Mm. You cannot see two of Fela, says Tony, peering with his bloodshot eyes over his cup of tea. He was, he was who he <laughs> was, and there was no point in knowing anyone challenging him. Alan is saying. Can I just say this is quite a challenging <laughs> task here to understand what you're saying? Already. Yeah. All right, okay. Uh, and then let's get to a bit more. A bit more. Yeah. Uh, right, okay. Yeah. Fella yeah. wanted to do everything. <laughs> that fella, fella. That fella, yeah. He was Africa's James Brown. It's Bob Marley. It's John Lennon, band leader, icon, hedonist, moralist, would-be politician, and full-time troublemaker. And when the Nigerian authorities decided he had defied them enough, they came, to, came down on him so hard that a lesser man would have cracked in two. Mm. So what was Feller all about, you say? Yeah, I, I am saying. What was he all about then, Robert? Well, at his base of operations just across uh, the street from his house at 14AAG Mortar Road. That's very specific. Yeah. In a salubrious hotel courtyard, which he named Africa Shrine. Mm. Several times a week, the 20 or so members of the band, now known as <laughs> Africa 70, played six-hour nighttime shows to hundreds of revellers beneath oh, a yeah. corrugated tin roof. Good. The courtyard was bordered by flags of all the independent African nations, while above the T-shaped stage glowed a neon lamp of the continent. The air was constantly perfumed with marijuana smoke. Later, fella constructed an altar containing pictures of political icons such as Naruma mm-hmm. and Malcolm X, to whom he would give thanks before performances. It became a site of a quasi-mystical pilgrimage, somewhere between a nightclub and a church, with fellow the wildly charismatic priest come master of seminaries. Indeed, indeed, his peppery newspaper column was called Chief Priest Say. 
but. Yes, okay. There had to be a but. <laughs> Fella didn't seem like a chief priest, rather a sly, sexy, and quick witted ringleader, translating the humming energy of the Lagos Street into vivid imagery and serpentine grooves. Friday night were Yabis night. Okay. Yabis meaning, meaning being a satirical mode, literally meaning make fun of someone. From time to time, the diverse clientele of students, workers, and dissidents would include an international star such as Paul McCartney. Oh. In turn, to record Band on the Run, or South African exile Hugh Masekela. So, what I'm saying here mm. is that... It's almost a religious thing we're talking about, isn't it? Well, well, no, politically... Quasi. But politically, he actually, in, after this bit, when we got him, he actually stood for Parliament uh, as the People's Party, oh. and actually promoted himself as the Black President. Mm. Uh, but what happened was, um, he became so popular, and he, his compound became his own little republic, uh, which he treated like his own little republic, and it had free medical centres and things like that. And obviously, his nighttime activities were legendary. Uh, <laughs> so, so it's a whole bohemian uh, republic that he started up. And of course, the, the political climate changed in Nigeria, and he sort of fell out of favour. And then, he, then they had a coup, and he got very well in with the political uh, elites. And then they had another coup, and he got really out of it. <laughs> And, uh, That's what we isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. You never know where you are. So then he, he, he recorded the song Zombie. Right. And so the, the song Zombie is looking directly at the soldiers and taking the piss out of them. Saying you, as where you follow your orders, are zombie-like. You're not thinking for yourselves. And then he laughs at them and he, and he, he gives them orders and ultimately tells them to stand down. Here's Fella Cootie with Zombie. Oh, 
lyrics there. Zombie, no go unless you tell them to go. Mm. Zombie, no go stop unless you tell them to stop. Mm. Zombie, no go turn unless you tell them to turn. Mm. Zombie, no go think mm. unless you tell them to think. Mm. I think he's been watching the QPR midfield this season. Tonight. It only means for me, Rebel Ricky, to say good evening and revolution on. And from Mr. Kidrobat. Revolution on, I like it, yeah. Yeah, up the workers. And from Mr. Sharitho Garbanza. La lucha continua. Uh, rise up,